Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit-Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we are looking at the working of miracles. Over the past 26 episodes, we have systematically looked at how the Holy Spirit transforms our character through the fruit of the Spirit and enables us with the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 lists nine gifts of the Spirit, and we've already covered eight of them. In this episode, we look at the ninth and the final gift, the working of miracles. Let's start out by defining a miracle. Most people have an idea of what a miracle is, and we use the word in our everyday language. Sometimes we use the word jokingly. We might say something like, it's a miracle I passed that test. Now, when we say that, we know what we really mean is that we were worried we would not pass the test, but we were glad we did. We know it's not really a true miracle. But then sometimes we see something happen that is beyond our ability to explain in any scientific fashion. And this comes close to the heart of a biblical miracle. A common definition is to say that a miracle is something that violates the laws of nature and it cannot be explained by science. Examples of this from the Bible would be when Jesus turned water into wine or multiplied a few pieces of fish and bread to feed thousands of people. Nothing in science can explain these events unless you believe there was mass delusion or that the Bible is simply inaccurate. Sometimes we see that other gifts of the Spirit might also be classified as miracles. For example, an instant healing also seems to violate laws of nature, and so some acts of God might fit under more than one spiritual gift label. In fact, we can see this in Scripture itself. Let me read a couple of verses from Acts chapter 19. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And that's found in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12. Here, in this verse, we see that healing and demonic deliverance can at times be associated with miracles. There's also a mention in these verses that somehow pieces of cloth that have touched Paul assist in these extraordinary phenomena. Again, science has nothing to say about instant healing or special cloth unless we make the claim that a placebo effect was responsible. And the best science can say about demonization is that mental illness or some other natural cause created the appearance of evil spirits, and then science must come up with the reason how the person was ultimately healed. My point in saying all of this is that the biblical account is unashamed uh, really to declare that miracles occur. We see miracles described in both the Old and New Testaments, and this does fly in the face of our modern sensibilities, we might say, that are shaped by a deep trust and a faith in science. When you experience a true miracle, it is something that sticks with you. About 40 years ago, I was driving an early 80s Ford Econline van, and I was driving on Interstate 5. If you're familiar with this vehicle, you know that it had a very short front end because the engine Uh, was partly located between the two front seats. I was south of Seattle, driving northbound. I was in the rightmost lane. 
and traffic was light. Everyone was going the speed limit. It was such an easy drive that I began to think about some paperwork that was on the passenger seat. I know you would never do this, but I picked up the paperwork with my right hand and started to read it while I was driving. As you can imagine, I was so distracted that I did not notice the traffic in my lane ahead of me was totally stopped. When I looked up from the paperwork, it was too late. Because the front end of the van was short, it was easy for me to see the car stopped in front of me. I was almost looking down at it. It was only seven or eight feet ahead of me, and I was going full freeway speed. If you do the math, I was going to hit that car in about one-tenth of a second. We know from studies that the human reaction time is about two to three-tenths of a second. There was no way I could physically respond in time to avoid the collision. And even if I could respond, there wasn't enough distance to either stop or swerve. Even though that was about 40 years ago, I still remember that moment. When I saw the stopped car, one thought flashed through my mind, and it was, I am dead. Because I knew with certainty there was no way out, and I was either going to die or be critically hurt. While that thought was forming in my mind, my body started to instinctively brace for collision, and I began to tense and draw in a deep breath. And that is when the miracle occurred. Before I had even drawn a full breath, I was somehow in the lane to the left and driving by a string of stopped cars to my right. I had not swerved. I had not hit the brakes. I was driving just as I was before, but shifted one lane. For those of you who've listened to this podcast, or if you know me, you know that I have an education in physics and I am a highly analytical person. In that moment, I knew without question that God had saved my life. What had just happened was physically impossible. It was outside the laws of physics. After my brain processed what had just happened, I just started thanking God for saving me because I knew that was the only option. The only option was to acknowledge God's divine intervention in my life and thank him. When I got home, I told my wife what God had done. To this day, I don't know if it was by the help of angels or God himself, but I know that I know God spared my life. Now, in that example, I experienced God directly performing a miracle on my behalf. And maybe you have a similar story. But here is where it can begin to stretch us a bit. Not only will God perform miracles by himself, but he will use us to perform miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. With God's power, we can participate with the Holy Spirit as he performs miracles through us. Now, I do want to set an expectation of how often we might experience miracles. If miracles happened all the time, they would no longer be miracles because that would become the way the world works. That alone means that we should not expect to see miracles as a common occurrence. Now, of course, 
we do see in Scripture that there are specific times where the density of miracles might be greater. We know that Jesus performed all of his miracles within a few years. Moses experienced many miracles in a fairly short time. From the verses we read earlier, we know that Paul had a season where miracles were seemingly expected. But we also know that everyone I just mentioned had extended periods where no miracles are recorded. Jesus lived 30 years before his ministry even started. Paul spent a lot of time in prison writing letters with no mention that he was experiencing miracles. The bottom line is that the Holy Spirit determines the type and frequency of miracles that God may work through us. We cannot generate miracles on our own. The timing is up to the Holy Spirit. That said, I do believe that God listens to our prayers and looks at our faith. And those who have a hunger and desire to serve God and others will be much more likely to have God work a miracle through them. Personally, I have prayed for people and seen some instant healings. I've been used to set people free from demonization, but I have never turned water into wine or commanded a storm to stop. Now, I'm open to that. I would love to see it happen, but I am at peace knowing that I may never experience that unless it fits into the plans of the Holy Spirit. This then is the key to performing miracles. Performing miracles, in a sense, is just like every other gift of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants something miraculous done, he will impress that upon us just like the other gifts. Our role then is simply to obey what the Holy Spirit asks us to do. I suspect that for most miracles to occur, the gift of faith must also be in operation. But then again, if we're obedient to what God has called us to do, I'm confident that he will supply the faith as needed. We talked about that in a prior episode on the gift of faith. When we see miracles happen or hear the testimony of others, it is a reminder to us that God is actively working in the world. What we find is that it builds our faith and our gratitude to God grows. And we find ourselves experiencing fresh awe in the majesty and the power of God. That said, I want to briefly address one of the difficulties we can experience when it comes to miracles. We know the Holy Spirit chooses the when and the where and the who and the how of miracles. If we do not experience a miracle at a time where we believe we need one, there is a risk that we might feel left out or devalued by God. For example, think of the accounts in the New Testament where Jesus raised someone from the dead. Scripture records he raised a widow's son, a ruler's daughter, and his friend Lazarus. He may have raised more, but these are the ones we know about. During the three years of his ministry, Jesus would have been surrounded by people that recently died. Statistically, we know that people die on a regular basis. Wherever Jesus traveled, he would have encountered funeral gatherings and people grieving the loss of loved ones. And yet, Jesus only raised a handful from the dead. I can easily imagine someone who witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus 
wondering where Jesus was when their loved one died. Did Jesus not care about them? Were they not worth enough to experience the same miracle? The reason I can imagine this is because one time a man came to me and he was deep in grief. He explained to me that his elderly father died and he felt lost and didn't know what to do. As I was trying to comfort the man, he asked me to do something that shocked me. He asked if I would pray for his father's resurrection. It caught me off guard and I struggled to know what to say. Because in our conversation, the man was basically saying that God knew he needed his father and would never allow him to be taken away. He was expressing something that many of us have felt. God, if you love me, why did you allow this to happen? You have the power to fix this, so why don't you? This was the core of what the man was saying. This man's father had been dead more than a few days, and I knew that no miracle of resurrection was coming. Because there was no miracle, this man felt like God did not love him and that God had abandoned him. He felt unworthy of God. It was difficult to see. There will be situations where we see that someone else needs a miracle. Miracles like resurrection do not occur often. Our hearts may cry out for it. We know if it does not happen that people may wonder if God loves them or if he is really present, but the Holy Spirit may choose not to do what we think should happen. It's in these moments that each one of us is equipped to be, in a sense, the miracle. The Holy Spirit within us will help us to be the voice and the hands and the feet of Jesus. Listen for the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say, to know what actions to take. Often, the only thing the Holy Spirit asks us to do in times like this is to be present, to grieve with those who are grieving, to cry with those who are crying, to hug those who feel abandoned and worthless. But this is also a time when the Holy Spirit might give you a word of wisdom or a prophetic word or an action to take. Be open to that. When the miracles we want do not happen, it is because the Holy Spirit knows what is best, and we may be a part of the Holy Spirit's better plan. In this episode, we looked at the gift of the Spirit called the working of miracles. We also discussed that miracles may not happen when we want them to, but that the Holy Spirit may have a better plan that involves us. In our next episode, we are going to look at the fruit and gifts of the Spirit in the context of trusting and obeying. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or want to share part of your story, please email me at glenn with two N's at spiritledhope.com or simply use the contact form at spiritledhope.com. That's spiritledhope.com. As always, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care. Take care.